haven't decided what song is going to seg into the, the actual Widows segment of this show. Shade and, song, man. Oh, sorry? The new Shade song that's in the movie. Over the I course. could do that. I, I might do that. Actually, we were, we were trying to figure out if it was uh, that was Shade or not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I try to come up with something that's like apropos to the theme. Mm-hmm. So like my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, it's a Chicago movie. Mm-hmm. I could use... Homecoming by Kanye, but I don't really no, want to use Kanye. No, yeah, you see, no. that's it's isn't that isn't no. that a drag though? We don't talk about Mr. Kardashian. I, I know we don't, but that's, <laughs> it's sad because it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you, it's like you used to be, no, and now you're not, yeah. Oh, welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 210 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. It's difficult to know where to begin with today's guest because like so many friends I've made along the way as a Toronto movie nerd, she just appeared one day. A bunch of us were drinking, somebody new sat down, we started talking, and the rest is history. And it's because there, the alcohol was there. I know, right? Well, that's it. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, there, there are details. I just... I've drank, I'm a booze genie. I've drank them away. <laughs> you're, you're like a bourbon-soaked great gazoo. <laughs> No meat cute involved in switching lunch orders or buying the same pajamas. Since then, though, she's become someone I'm truly grateful I did meet, someone I'm thrilled to have on the show always, um, somebody who I've had ups and downs with and has taught me a lot about what it means to be a modern man. So I guess I should begin by saying I'm lucky. I'm lucky she'd like me enough to talk to me at that table to be my bourbon-soaked great gazoo. Uh, I'm gonna, that, that's your official name now, by the way. <laughs> I'm lucky that she saw something in me to keep me on a short string and lucky that she sees enough in my stupid ass not to give up on me. She is the host of the podcast In a Tiff um, and is uh, home with me at Casa del Hatter today. Petula Neal is here. How are you? I'm all right. It's it's a little chilly. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you said winter's coming, right? Winter is coming. I didn't have bourbon last night. I did have rum. Okay. Yeah. But well, I mean, rum soaked great kazoo. Yeah. It works just as well. On episode 210, we will be discussing widows. We'll be flipping the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Petula. This is Know Your Enemy. So P first showed up on episode 131, where we discussed Jupiter Ascending. I still like that movie. I mean, that barking sound. Right? He's fighting. I know. It's amazing. Uh, We learned the first movies she'd ever seen in a theater were a combination of Gandhi and Out of Africa. The last movie she'd watched at the time was I Know That Voice, a documentary about uh, animated uh, voice acting. The worst film she'd ever seen was Howard the Duck. The unseen classic or essential is Avatar, which she has now seen. And the film she wished she'd made was Pulp Fiction. Next, on episode 153, we talked about The Witch. The Vavitch. The Vavitch. We learned the movie she digs that nobody else does is Untamed Heart. The movie everybody else likes that she does not is Under the Skin. The movie with an asterisk to make her cry is the long gone but not at all forgotten Snowman commercial from the Cineplex Odeon Christmas uh, time. Oh. Push, yeah, and she's already getting misty. In the movie of her life, she's played by Michael B. Jordan. You called Jordan before Black Panther and everything. Listen, <laughs> you've been a fan of him since like The Wire, right? Y'all late. <laughs> I've, I've been there since we've been looking for Wallace. <laughs> okay, good to know. <laughs> the movie she was watching next was Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I can barely get it out. My God. Then on episode 162, we talked about Star Trek Beyond. We learned the movie that made her love a film turn a corner was Afterlife. Her 
first date movie was The Bodyguard. Her sick date movie is Dave Chappelle's Block Party. Mm-hmm. The film to leave her speechless was a combination of precious and hunger. The epitaph of her life would be You Get What You Settle For from Thelma and Louise. And then we brought her back one more time on episode 185 where we talked about Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. We learned the film she really digs but never wants to watch again is Shame. The film that genuinely freaked her out is Get Out. The film that always makes her laugh again is Dave Chappelle's Block Party. The soundtrack that she calls her favorite is Sleepless in Seattle for reasons of Harry Connick Jr. And the film that she digs but nobody else has seemingly heard of is something called Mystery in Between. Time for round five. Petula, when you go to a theater, where do you like to sit? So this is not a simple answer, right? What? Uh, No, it's a very simple answer. That's the simplest question I've got. Okay. So if I'm in Gen Pop, which is like a movie without any reserved seating or any kind of special screen or anything, I like the back row. Seat kickers drive me crazy. So I'd rather have my back against the wall like mafioso in a restaurant style. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if I'm in VIP. Yeah. I don't get as much seat kicking in VIP because there's enough leg room. Yeah. So I sort of like middle back in VIP. Okay. If... Uh, I'm in like a large AVX or IMAX theater mm-hmm. that has reserved seating mm-hmm. and enough legroom. I like middle front, sort of H to J. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so let's let's take this one at a time. So first of all, we should tell people when we're talking about a VIP cinema, the the, the mega corporation that runs the theaters here in Toronto, or here in Canada, um, have started putting out these theaters where the seats are basically lounge chairs. They're they're, they're recliners. They're barca loungers. And along with the fact that you can almost get yourself, you, you can't get yourself exactly horizontal, but you're you're pretty, you're at least at, you know, if you're not at 180 degrees, you're maybe at like 140 uh, by the time you're done. So you've got a lot of room to stretch, to, to back up. And still with that, you are well away from the feet of the other people in front of you. Like you could, you can, there's, there's waiters, so they can walk uh, back and forth in front of you. So yeah, so when you're in those, when you're those like, it, it's kind of like a cocoon almost, you know, it's like, it's like the, what I imagine first class seating to be on a plane. Yeah. So when you're in those, you, you want to be lower. Just because you like because of because that then basically cause, because you're cocooned, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. And then okay, when you're a Jed Pop, you want your you are back against the wall. Don't you feel too far from the action in that kind of scenario? Yeah, but just having my chair kicked so many times in so many movies, and it just does it taking that you out of it. You? It does it happens really? quite frequently. Oh yeah. my god! Well, not as much now that it's in the back row, right? Yeah, but oh. people are monsters. I think we've all learned in the past few years, listener. People are trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but but yeah, and you, and you don't feel too far away from the action, or it's just it's the devil's bargain you've struck. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit. Okay. Well, okay. And then you said, but if it's an IMAX with reserved seating and there's a little bit of space, you're more. I'm okay with like middle front, like well, H to J, because especially oh, IMAX because it, it's a bigger house. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so you want to be closer. But like self protect, like self preservation, yeah. yeah, has you back. I've All had right. too many movies ruined by, you know. Okay, just some let me let me spin this behind. So then let me spin this one more way. If you were in a theater that was just you know all access, free for all, but you found that it was like you and five other people, like you walked in there like just a few minutes before showtime, and there's like nobody there, you're still going to the back, or you'll dice it. If it's empty. 
50. I'll still go closer to the back. Okay. It's, it's yeah, because yeah, you're, you're thinking somebody's going to come in and they're going to sit right behind me. Yeah. Which don't do that, people. But people do. I know. Don't I think do, like, for, give, give it like a row at least. For people with your appendages, it's the equivalent, I think, of somebody going right next to you at the urinal when all oh, the rest yeah. are available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. And I, and I, try, I try to be, you know, yeah. of that too. Because that's weird right yeah it is but people do, do it. it yeah yeah i think they're i think they they want like safety in numbers or something okay uh if uh patula if you could go on a date with any movie character who are you going out with so this one i thought it would take me longer to come up with but then i i realized i've probably thought this pretty much since i saw the movie mallory kane is the name of the character played by gina carano in haywire oh darling marry me please she's Okay, first of all, she would take care of you. Yes, she would. She'd be a good protector. Yes, she, she would. You know, clearly, uh, much like myself, her best uh, relationship with her nuclear family, or possibly her only, we don't get a lot of character development, is with her father. Mm-hmm. But she still seems to have some daddy issues based on her professional relationships. So, you know, there, <laughs> there's some work to do. You don't want someone perfect. No, no. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she ever skips leg day. I'm pretty sure she never skips leg day. Yeah. She's like like far and, far and above like any of the dudes you've seen in any of these movies. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the answer that you, you ran with. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, your, your, your life partner is a lucky man. Also, um, I think so many male characters are uh, built up and idealized or if they're a hero... There's always a risk of getting fridged if you're their girlfriend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you put a lot of thought into this. Wow. Yeah. Whereas um, if a woman gets to be a lead, usually there's a little more work done. You get to see a little bit more of who she is as a well, I mean, human she's, being. She's an yeah. apropos answer for the movie that we're going to talk about. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I feel like the crew in Widows could have used her. Yeah. Uh, I feel like she you know she might have been able just like she might have been viola's only call yeah you know like okay i don't need everybody else just come on over like you on your own yeah we'll do i know you can drive i know you can i know you can handle everything else i know you can climb up and down yeah yeah i know you can carry the money yeah um i have i have always said if i if i had to choose how i want to go her thighs uh yeah michael fassbender in in that movie is how i want to go out yeah and i will die with a smile on my face absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. um watch that movie people if you if you slept on haywire uh, wake up yeah please do <laughs> um this could get bad uh patula neal what is the dirtiest film you've ever seen so here's the thing i thought of this one before i remembered the movies that i'd answered before and before i picked gina carano okay. because this was um the kind of question that it's a very personal answer. So what this would be to different people, it's very different things. And that's why I ask it. Yeah. It's kind of like I read, not to go too far down a very bad rabbit hole with this, but I read a book this year about a woman who is a sex addict. And she talked about in the book uh, her real deep-seated hang-up on talking to one of her boyfriends about her favorite porn clip. Right. And it's like it's one of those things that it does so much for you on on several different levels. But if you talk about that with somebody and you get any kind of reaction other than, wow, then it's you're you're just like feel way too much at once. So it's it's not exactly like that. You know, for for the love of God, I try to keep the show like a little clean. But it is in that respect of, like, what do you consider, what does one consider dirty and why? So speaking of sex edition, it is shame. Oh, wow. Again, okay. which we've spoken about previously. Yeah. And 
A lot of the things about that movie, directed by Steve McQueen, who also directed Widows, is that at the end, for me personally, I think I don't know if I want him to recover. Really? Um, Because much like the, you know, medical health uh, industry that at least I think in the States they haven't officially listed sex addiction as a disorder. No. Uh, I don't know if he should stop something that makes him happy. It's, there's the the line between doing so much of something that affects your life versus um, hiding something that you love uh, because you think that it's not okay. So, yeah, his work computer being so full of porn that the IT guy marvels at how filthy it is, that... <laughs> You're damaging work property there, but I would love to ride a subway with him. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's no, it's, it's, no, that how you I, it's, it's <laughs> heard it. Um, I, I mean, it's, I, I, I thought this is going to sound weird to say, but I've thought about that movie a lot over the last few years, uh-huh. mostly just because of how. It, that might that might very well be my answer. And a lot of times when I think about my answer for this thing, I try to think about the absence of passion. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of the the difference in a lot of these movies. I wrote um, back at TIFF. I wrote about a film, a short film about a teenage girl who steals a strap-on dildo, and it's called "Fuck You." And it is if if there is a complete polar opposite of what you would find if you search for that criteria online. It is this movie because it is so warm and so curious and so loving and so challenging to the characters that are in it. Um, shame is on the other is on the other end of the spectrum. Shame is so cold and so clinical and, and he, he gets some sort of, like you said, he gets some sort of happiness mm-hmm. from that, but it's a, a totally different happiness from what you and I experience. And like any McQueen movie, it's just beautiful to look at because he's an artist. Yeah. So much like if you read Lolita and find yourself empathizing with Humbert Humbert, it's got a bit of that, that you take someone who is positioned as aberrant or wrong in some way, Mm -hmm. but when they're, you know, painted with uh, McQueen's, POV or Nabokov's words, uh, you find yourself thinking, you know what? (laughs) I see, I see what you see and I see why you like what you see and I see why you want what you see. Mm -hmm. And, and it's problematic for sure. Um, but yeah, it's because it makes you feel the shame, but still want him to keep doing what he's doing. At yeah. least for me, yeah, no, no, I'm for sure. No, other a, people a really have a good, very different experience. Yeah, it's a really it. good answer. Yeah, um, yeah. No, so that's, that's why it's dirty because I don't want it to stop. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll stop now. I was gonna say, let's get out of this boat. Um, yeah. What is your favorite black and white film? Uh, she's gotta have it. <laughs> Sensing a theme. Oh lordy. But um, it's a great black and white movie. I've never seen it. Yeah. I know. I, yeah. I feel bad. I used to dress like Mars Blackman. I used to have uh, that hat, pants that kind of look like that, glasses that very much look like that. Yeah, so I was sort of 
real life cosplaying as Spike Lee for a few years. You know, like now and then when you yeah. tell me that that growing up, like you got confused with a boy. Oh yeah, I think I'm starting to see where the problem. Yeah, was. I even had the. I don't think it was a, a world problem. No, a small part of it. It was it was a you thing, not, yeah. not, not a they thing. I had the Nike. Uh, it's got to be the shoes T-shirt too. But I wore it till it fell apart. Oh my god. Yeah. No, I loved that movie. I loved the aesthetic. I loved. Yeah. Isn't it? It's kind of like like low budge black and white, right? Like it's like yeah. clerks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was very much that Because he made it with what he had yeah. available to it him. It was around the same era. It's sort of the movie that's talked about in the book by, was he a producer that uh, the title of the book is Spike, Mike, Slackers, and Dykes. Right. And it's and he talks about sort of clerks one. era, whatever. That's the book that we actually got Spike Lee to sign when, uh, when Mel and I went to see Chirac. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I, 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 I've had it on the list for like so long. Yeah, uh, I, I got to thinking about it again when they they did have the, the Netflix show the now, Netflix, which the Netflix show is in color, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like that's a betrayal. I mean, Netflix doesn't want to do that kind of arty thing. Like they want as no. big a uh, big as audience as possible. I'm sure. Right. And you put something in black and white, and strange as it is to believe this, there are people who are going to back off. It's almost like color means something to people, right? I mean, listen, there's a lot of, like, highfalutin, black and white nonsense that happens at TIFF every year. And usually I deliberately steer away from that skid. I'm like, oh, black and white, you're trying to do something here that I am not here for. But uh, that was one of those black and white movies. And Clerks was definitely sort of on my short list as well. And he never did another one, did he? He got money after that. It was also a financial choice at the time. There was a lot of, yeah. it's, It's like seeing your favorite band play in a club again. That's, you know, I'd, I'd, yeah. love to, I'd love to see what he now just because he has money I mean like the thing is he shot that on the cheap now that he's been shooting for what like 30 something years yeah I'd love to see what he can do in black and white when he's got artists surrounding him that know what they're doing yeah you know oh man okay I, I, I will make sure I make a priority to see that movie because it's been far too long uh, last but not least Patil Neal, what is the film you dig that nobody would expect you to like right now there's just so much content Mm-hmm. So I could go back into the stacks, but really, uh, the things that have survived that I still really enjoy, they're not that bad. Like, I don't think I like anything that's really terrible, even ironically terrible. Okay. So To be clear, not necessarily bad, yeah. but um, I mean, when I find out that somebody who I generally associate with... Um, this is us and uh, Jane Austen novels also happens to like hostel, right? It, like something, yeah. one of these things is not like the others. So when you think of your general, like yeah. you are a very well-rounded person, which is why I'm sure this is a hard question. It, yeah. This is like, um, I'm diverse the, in my selections. Some, something that is, is there anything that is an outlier that when there's something that I think that I like it more than I realized I would. Okay. And, Based on the amount of times I've watched it now on Netflix, okay. perhaps uh, to a degree that's unhealthy. It's not made for me or my generation, <laughs> I don't think, and yet it did. So this is something a lot of people like, based okay. on the internet, uh, to all the boys I've loved before. That ah. I watched way, way, way more uh, viewings than I thought really? I would. It became, in the summer, a sort of that movie that I would put on if the world was doing something weird that day, which was some uh, every, every day. Yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah. No, there yeah. was, a, no, there was one week where I completely I watched yeah. it beginning to end yeah. four times. 
Self care is important. But it's, it's I'm, I'm being serious. It's a bit of you know sort of cotton candy fluff. Yeah. It's you know geared at teenagers. I just. Okay, so I gotta I gotta get to a funny little thing. Somebody actually put up on Twitter back in the summertime. They're like, "All right, all right, guys of film Twitter, I'm curious." Or I, I just it wasn't even guys of film Twitter. It was just film Twitter in general. If you could which write, is mostly guys, most of mostly guys. Yes, this is true. Um, if you could write letters to the film characters your younger self admired, who would you write Ooh. letters to? And I responded with pictures of Sarah Connor in Terminator Two. Yeah. Annie Savoy in Bull Durham. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have type. Um, I can't remember her character's name off the top of my head, but uh, Liv Tyler in Empire Records. Oh. And Jessica Rabbit. Well. Yeah. Yeah. To which somebody replied, well, really and truly, Annie Savoy is the only person who's going to write your ass back because Sarah's too busy saving the world. Yeah. Uh, Tyler is just way too hung up on AJ. Yeah. And Jessica's... Cartoon, yeah, and and she's like fully smitten with her rabbit. Yeah, I I don't know why I wouldn't necessarily thank you for the cute and fuzzy teenage girl. It was just like it's it's a it's a it's an extension of John Hughes movies in a lot of ways. So although better because now it's not as nearly as problematic as all those movies are continuing to be with every passing year. I I don't think I would have like expected that. It kind of kicked off that sort of Asian spring summer thing Mm. that happened as well. That's true, Um, but it just entertaining good performances it made you made me kind of happy for an hour and change just adorable and yeah the the relationships between the sisters uh that they were all different human beings yeah that i really enjoyed uh the some of the things that lady film twitter especially uh or just I would say uh, Noah Centineo sexual film Twitter because I, I don't want to uh, claim him for any gotcha. gender. Okay. I feel like All he right. should be shared by the world. Uh, the things that people loved also, you know, based on interviews, even people who were working on the film loved. Like the one scene where he's having a play fight with the little sister and he puts a bowl of popcorn underneath the couch to get it out of the way that wasn't scripted he just did that oh wow but every woman and noah centineo sexual person watching that and even people who aren't who noticed it thought that's smart and thoughtful and this guy is sort of like your perfect boyfriend because <laughs> not only is he instead of trying to you know do stuff under the blankets yeah. on movie night with the fam He's taking the time to play fight with your little sister and make sure you don't have a crap ton of popcorn, which is impossible to get all of it cleaned up. Yeah, like those moments just made me think there is good and light and truth in the world. (laughs) And it doesn't always have to be throwing a shield or swinging a sword. Sometimes it's that dream first partner that would do that. Put I the think, bowl of popcorn uh, under the I couch. only watched it yeah. like a week ago, and I think you're making me already want to watch it again. So yeah. uh, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, there we go. That's a lot more about Petula. We'll learn more uh, when we get her back. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's probably soon because you, you <laughs> seem to pop up a lot on this show uh, for round six. But we have a movie to talk about. Lordy, do we ever have a movie to talk about? Come on back right after this for the new slang, Widows, coming up right after this. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. 
what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. I gotta carry him. Widows is directed by Steve McQueen. It's written by McQueen and Gillian Flynn. It stars Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Cynthia Revo, Elizabeth Debecki, Carrie Coon, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaluuya, Colin Farrell, Robert Duvall, and Liam Neeson. I am going to try really hard not to refer to him as Liam Neeson. Widows begins with a robbery gone awry, a gang of four men led by Harry Rawlings, that's Liam Neeson's, are mowed down by police as they try to make off with a $2 million payday. The money, as it turns out, belonged to Jamal Manning, that's Henry, a criminal turned upstart politician, and he is not amused that his cash was ripped off. As counteraction, he turns to Veronica, that's Viola Davis, playing the newly widowed wife of Rawlings. He puts it plainly, my money or your life. Veronica, left wealthy in appearance but dirt poor in the ledger, gets an idea to carry out Rawlings' next detailed heist with the other widows of his crew on her side. This lets her get square with Manning, lets them all get a chance to get paid, and give everybody a chance to move forward. You once referred on this show to the Steve McQueen oeuvre, and you referred to that oeuvre as it being monumental. The man has made films about prison hunger strikes, sexual addiction, and American slavery, or as he calls it, chicken soup for the soul. Now, as he begins his second decade as a motion picture filmmaker, he turns his attention to guns, money, and badass women doing what needs to be done. So, Pop Queen's Hot Show, what have we just witnessed? Is this a brand new direction for Mr. McQueen, or is this a different slant on his normal one-and-done movie? I think it's the second, and I don't think it's that much of a departure. It's not as much of a departure as Inside Man was for Spike, although in a way they could be compared in that Inside Man was also kind of a heist film Mm -hmm. and wasn't it wasn't like other Spike films where he wrote it and sort of uh, brought it into it seemed like like, a payday yeah and had a a heavily loaded cast like ridiculously stacked it made money Clive Owen Jodie Foster Denzel Washington like that cast wasn't Plummer in that movie I think so yeah it was it it, all looks same I know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm sorry no don't be (laughs) that it could be looked at that except there's so many things that are very McQueen like in this that I think it still fits and the other topics while serious they were all about um, many different things this movie and we're trying not to spoil it has so much in it Mm mm-hmm you're almost surprised like watching it the second time especially because i saw us at the festival on a five movie day which was a yeah. slog and i, had to, I do thank you yeah. for, for and uh, i ran out and i had to go see burning so i didn't even get to hear the whole shot song that plays over the credits oh, it's a heavy day yeah 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 wow. so holy crap yeah i went straight from this to burning oh i think God. i tweeted that day i'm running like cynthia ervo <laughs> <laughs> to get to my next movie but yeah it it uh, has so many criticisms, including that it's beautiful. There are so many just beautiful shots mm-hmm. in this. Like that one perfect shot site could just take half of the shots from this yeah. film. Yeah, they could and use them. It's 
gorgeous. Uh, there's great character development. The the depth with which the all of the characters, but obviously especially the women, are kind of crafted, and that the husbands, as based on the premise, uh, are essentially fridged. Like it's a reverse fridging in that uh, their failure at the beginning of the movie is what uh, is the motivation to get these women together, to their catalyst for embarking on this activity, and uh, their especially the the main husband the Liam Neeson's character it's not your normal fridging and just like this is just something that happened you don't know anything more about that person or the relationship through uh, a few lines Mm -hmm. and really only a couple flashbacks you get some real motivation for um, why uh, Viola Davis's character still feels the way she does about him but that like many relationships it wasn't perfect you get a lot of background on what happened in their marriage you also understand why it's not no pun intended based on their relationship black and white Mm. why she may feel the way she does and why she does the things that she does and that uh, him being a criminal wasn't the attraction but it definitely wasn't something that she necessarily loved him for. It's interesting because what I think about in terms of my own question of is this his oeuvre or is this him selling out? Um, And I mean, listen, just to tie off that point really quick, if a director like Steve McQueen is going to sell out, I would absolutely love that. I really would love people like Steve McQueen making my heist movies and making my comic book movies and making my rom-coms, Jesus, um, than the same old band of UCLA grads that seem to make all this crap all the time. I'd rather somebody with, with half a brain in their head come into something poppy and add their sensibility. So if he if that is what he did, then I mean, awesome for starters because I mean the, the the results are right there. But what we still have in this movie that fits along with his other three movies is, uh, including the widows, but less so the widows. But everybody else is a very handsome movie about some really damaged people. Mm-hmm. Like, and that seems to be his his fascination in life is uh, taking somebody really nasty. Uh, and putting them in a really handsome suit or, or, you know, in a really expensive condo and letting that contradiction just play. Like, and then, like, you know, le- putting them in a very pretty picture and then saying, okay, what's on your mind? And just letting the ugly spew from them, you know, it, it, like Colin Farrell in this movie, for sure. All, like, most of the guys in this movie, for sure. Even even in a, in a strange way, Jackie Weaver in this movie. Even oh, though yeah. She's not in a very handsome way. Like, she, she's oh. shot and, and, and captured yeah. very, very handsomely, but she's not in handsome circumstances. But to listen to her speak, you're like, holy shit. Um, Terrible and I, mothering. Yeah, Terrible and, I think, mothering. and I think that is, it, it's, it's a different slant on his normal oeuvre of one and done, that this is still not something that everybody's going to go to, you know, four or five times a day, like to all the boys I've loved before, but they might go back a little bit more often than they go to hunger. Right. You know, um, I take it you dug this movie. Loved it. Loved it. Even if we weren't doing this podcast, I would have seen it again this weekend. Nice. I Because this is a movie you need to see with an audience. There are, it. it's the performances, the lines, there's twists you get audible reactions in the 
screening I was in last night, there were a couple of people, and I don't know if they were the kind of people who have to talk loudly <laughs> in a movie, or drunk, or both. Yeah, right, but, yeah. Well, we saw the Kraken. And the problem is, one of the lines that this person said actually made half of the audience laugh. So then it was just like impossible to get them to shut up after that because they were like, oh, I've got a captive audience. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe they were failed stand-up. It's, failed it's, drunk stand-up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, it's the kind of movie that people, there's audible reactions at multiple points and it's not just at um, the twists or the peaks in the story. It's just the things the characters say to each other and the way they say them. It's and very it, frank, yeah, this movie. It, yeah. it, this movie holds nothing back at all. Um, it has a few of those moments. Like in the line I think of in Closer, the he tastes like you, only sweeter. Yeah, yeah. Like there's moments in this movie like that where characters are just saying, the thing you should never say, but you're thinking it. Yeah. They say that to they each other. They say that to you, yeah. um, I, I love this movie as well. Um, this is this is the kind of thing, like this is this is my sick day type movie like movies like this and heat and inside man and that kind of thing i love these kinds of movies i love procedural uh heist type movies and i love when somebody with capability comes in and the team behind this is just like clicking on all cylinders to how to to put mcqueen in a room with gillian flynn who writes sometimes problematic stories but always writes really damn well yeah like between it makes you want to know more about terrible people yeah and I mean, yeah like this is the same yeah. it's the same year where we spent eight hours with sharp objects yeah right this is this is a woman who also is really able to take nasty people and portray them in a very fascinating light um i know this movie's amazing there's uh, like five movies in there i could have watched yeah just a heist movie with the Liam Neeson crew. I this could have watched HBO series. just a heist movie with the ladies. I could have watched a movie about just the Manning brothers. If this movie was pitched 10 years ago, it would have been mostly about Robert Duvall and Colin Farrell's characters. Yeah. Like yeah. there are so many different films in here that could have been a really, really good hour and a half film with the other people just coloring in the background. But the way it was all stitched together and that you have your moments for each of these different um, sort of mini crews within the main crew mm -hmm. of Widows was also amazing. There, There's the shot in the car with Colin Farrell and his aide that, you know, most of the movie nerds after the festival, that was the part that they were yeah, talking yeah. about. There's the whole, you know, see McQueen. You don't cast Robert Duvall and not give him a chance to have a legit mouth-frothing rant, which he does. <laughs> yes. I think he actually has to take a moment at one point and wipe at his own froth. Yeah. 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 That is just amazing. You don't have um, Michelle Michelle Rodriguez plays a very different character in this, and she's in many of the interviews talked about how she actually um, did acting, uh, did some coaching uh, for this for the first time since Girl Fight because it's a very different role for her. Okay, um, but you still have at least one moment where she gives someone a look with her eyes, and you just think they're dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. sweep up the ashes. They've yeah. just been burnt to cinders. Yeah, there's there's Elizabeth Debicki getting to be as tall as Elizabeth Debicki is. <laughs> yeah, there's no um, forced perspective, oh no Lord. nothing. Yeah. And <laughs> she is amazing. And what they do, instead of leaning away from her height or her symmetry or just the way society treats a woman who looks like that, they lean into it and show how she navigates 
and has been taught by her terrible mother to use what she is to get what she needs and in unexpected ways. Her shopping trip, I love her shopping oh trip. Her story could be a film unto itself. Um, but I want to put a pin in that because we need to begin with Veronica Rawlings. We need to begin with Viola Davis in this movie. Um, because first of all, holy shit. Uh, and second of all, holy shit. Good gravy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. She is just dropped into the deep end of the beginning of this movie. You learn everything you need to learn about their marriage in the opening. You learn that they're well off. You learn that they're loving. They're, they're really tender. Like watching her and, um, and Harry start their morning you know they're, they're the kind of couple that like talks while they're still in bed they're not like don't talk to me they're, they're not that they, they like their pillow talk they you get the impression they probably shower together she brings them a drink like they are despite the fact that they have been through some shit in just this one little cross-cutting three-minute moment you see everything you need to see about what this woman thinks about this man and then you take it all away. And it's like, okay, now what? And then she turns on a dime. And you see even more of who she is without her even really saying a whole lot. She's getting herself composed mm-hmm. for the funeral. And she just like gives herself a second to just wail, right? In the way that like only Viola Davis can wail. Right, which is which is to say, still pretty composed. <laughs> she is an ugly cry, and you do get to see some ugly crying Viola Snot at one point in the film. Yeah, but not, but in, that not in that moment. No, no, she has, she's got to go see people. She has to keep her face beat for the show. Right, yeah. right. Um, this movie's incredible in terms of the way Viola is front and center in a huge cast. Like, this cast just goes and goes and goes and goes, and people just show up for like 10 seconds mm-hmm. and then leave. But you're always coming back to Veronica. It's amazing. And they use her, uh, not just her amazing expressiveness and performance, but her actual physical form mm-hmm. as a signpost for what, where we are emotionally in the film. So they do some interesting things with the colors that she wears. And then there's a turn where all of a sudden she, you notice she's dressing more like a widow. Mm. So there's pops of color that you think are almost strange considering, or uh, and a lot of white, there's considering what she's gone white. through. Yeah. But it's the accents with the white and uh, the shirts underneath the blazers and other things where you're seeing color at points where you don't expect it. And then once you get past this point where she's sort of accepted that she has to do this thing, she starts dressing like a widow. And, yeah. and it's that's when the team also seems to coalesce. They're all kind of different. And then as they're headed into the job at the end, they, they've come together, mm-hmm. really, and formed in a way that uh, it transcends uh, their differences. The fact that they, you know, didn't really have the same kind of interaction that the men in their life did before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't even know each other. Right? Yeah. And, and she's like, she's just bringing this thing together kind of... Uh, you you see yeah it's the opposite of like an oceans kind of team getting together montage yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. no one wants to be there um, there's I, no fun recruiting like musical scene well i i love the way the movie it, it almost hangs on her there's not a whole lot of scenes without her in it unless it's something that she's not specifically supposed to know about so it's a lot of her talking to other people and the one thing i love is that every single time that she's speaking to anybody else, whether they're somebody who can help her, somebody who's beneath her, somebody whatever, um, she always seems really composed. She chooses her words carefully, right? 
except when Jamal Manning shows up. And, and your little dog, too. He, and your little... Yeah, I mean, like, that's the moment where she still doesn't want to give away that she is terrified. Yeah. But there's enough glimmers in her expression, only that we've been able to compare it to everything else we've seen her say. Yeah. And, like, seeing her talk at her at her her partner's funeral and seeing her talk to everybody. Like, we've seen her deal with all sorts of people, and then all of a sudden we watch her actually become intimidated in this moment. And it's still not a complete... Shit show. Yeah. Um, and that dog. I know. That dog. Everybody, the dog is okay. Yeah. If you're the kind of person who yeah. worries about the dog. Like, yeah. this dog is in a, this movie a lot. Yeah. He's fine. There's no John Wick. No. There's no wicking of the dog. No. But, yeah, this dog, you may know her from Game Night, I believe. Is it the same dog? It's the same dog. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Film Twitter's been obsessed with the dog. Oh, my just God. Just for a few days. So, Olivia... Yeah, it was also from Game Night. Yeah. Is adorable. Yeah, I think in her bio she's described as a, a literal stuffed animal. Yeah. It's just. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's there is like a in your little dog too moment, yeah. and for fans of John Wick, you get that sick feeling of not not that dog. Not that no, dog, yeah. no. Dog's okay. Yeah. Um, no, Veronica in this movie, it, it it she does pardon the pun, she does a lot of the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. and she is totally up for it. And no matter how big or how small the person playing opposite her and i would i would let her talk to me like that yeah well i mean okay so uh, you know my my wife was here earlier uh in between takes of this show uh talking to us about cynthia revo and i will have you know that like everything in preparing for this show like every day i've brought up that we were doing it she goes you have to talk about cynthia revo you have to talk about cynthia revo because people aren't talking about her enough well i know but i I don't even really know who cynthia revo is she's a broadway nerd so it's like it's like me saying you know hey honey what do you think about what og and anubi did last night who what Yeah, yeah exactly but if you saw bad times at the el royale yeah, then you know who then, then you know who Cynthia Revo is. Cynthia Revo has this amazing scene where she is folded into the crew, and it's this cool moment where Veronica's talking about her but not to, to her. her, and she's the only person like the entire movie who's not. Uh, you know, Manning, who has stood up to her, he's like, "I'm right here. You got yeah. like one more chance, and then it's going to be bad." Yeah, it's it's. Without even like raising her voice, it's it's really cool. It's another another woman who chooses her words carefully, um, and and then you know in between running and and like punching shit and driving, Cynthia Revo. Yeah, she's everything. She is. Yeah, she's the I, Swiss I want, Army. Yeah, in I want this. movies with her now. Yeah. Apparently, that would take her away from her Broadway time. So you mentioned Alice, uh, the Elizabeth Debicki character. She's a counterpoint to Veronica. Veronica's a person who, on her own, is successful and on her own has done really well in terms of who she married. Um, Alice, she married a guy who can take care of her, but he's also a guy who hits her, right? And he's not, he's he's not uh, Harry by any by any stretch, even though they're in the same crew, uh, so they work together and they they share a kinship. But he was an employee. No, yeah. So she, you know, she loses her the basically the the, the breadwinner of the family, and now she's got to figure out what the hell she's going to do. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki, watching her in this like her evolution in this movie. What she decides to do, how she decides to do it, sometimes where she's smarter, sometimes where she's a little dim, is fascinating. That's a, like, like you said, that's a movie unto itself almost. Uh, was there like a moment with her that stood out for you? I think her eating the hot dog after she's finished her shopping trip. Yeah. And I don't want to say anything more about it right. than that. But just, I think in that moment, you realize how 
often in her life, probably this character has been able to suss out the best, safest, most efficient way to use uh, the assumptions people would make based on what she looks like mm-hmm. to get what she wants. Yeah. And yeah. that she makes a literal meal out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she she starts her whole journey with a really nasty argument with her mother, yeah. played by Jackie Weaver, saying, I'm not doing that. I, I see what you're putting in front of me. She, her yeah. mother puts in front of her... Um, I don't I don't know the actual terminology of it, but she basically puts in front of her a website that facilitates high class girlfriend experience. Yeah, thank yeah. you. There we go. And I, I knew you. I was like, I was like, you, you'd have the words. I could. I was. I was gonna say she's yes. a, she's essentially a kept woman. Yeah. Well, um, well, thanks for assuming that I'd, I'd know no, I'm politically correct smart. terms for No, because, you, because oh. you're, you're smarter than me. Oh, not for transactional sex? No. Dear God. What, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm an idiot, but I'm not a complete moron. I say, I say stupid things. Well, all, not... of, all of my movie picks in the Know Your Enemy <laughs> section. Were... I know. Um, but, but she puts this high-class girlfriend experience website in front of her. Yeah. I, I didn't even learn. Yeah. And... Alice like no, sorry, not gonna happen. I don't care if I don't care what you think I should do or what you did or whatever. I'm not doing this. And then two scenes later, it's like yeah, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. And she, you feel like she wants to do it her way, or she just had this moment which you don't even really see. That's the cool thing I like is we don't watch her convincing herself. We just jump to the next moment, and there she is in that girlfriend experience type thing, and. You can almost fill in the blanks. You can fill in what she had to tell herself, how she wants to approach it, what she wants to, how she wants to try and keep her hands on the wheel, um, in the way that she speaks, um, and in the way that that is Lucas Haas, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Dear yeah. God, um, to Lucas Haas, and try to keep some dignity out of it, and how she eventually figures out how to keep her dignity out of it. It's it's really a lot more than that kind of character gets hung on them. Absolutely, um, it's amazing. I will tell you what I love the most about this movie and, and, and ask for your thoughts on this because I feel like you'll have thoughts on this. Just about every man in this movie is a complete shit. Just about every man in this movie is somebody who has done something terrible or is doing something terrible. The only, off the top of my head, the only person, two people, uh, one person who is... Without blame is Bash O'Reilly, played by Garrett Dallahunt, the driver. Which is interesting because he's often a menacing character in other things. Yeah, so, yeah. That he gets to play this sort of play, clearly uh, all of damaged them, you know? sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, like Lucas Haas is this architect who could have anything but still needs to pay for it. Uh, you know, you get a, the head of a security company who is exploited because he can't not... He has some impulse control issues. Yes, he yeah. does. You have a band of crooks that are all liars. You have a preacher who is making deal like political deals with his congregation as capital. Every single man in this movie, except for her son as well, is a complete shit. And when you have that I, I feel like that is the appropriate payoff for this movie not being directed by a woman. It's written by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like if you were to give this to completely to female storytellers, it would be a very different film. But I feel like that's an acceptable transaction. That if we're going to have it 
told by a man that every single man in this movie is shit. I don't disagree. <laughs> but I also don't want your listeners to then think it's a man bashing film. No, it's not. It's So let's start with uh, Duvall and Farrell. They are in politics in Chicago. So let's just say if you were in politics in Chicago, bless your heart, you're probably not a complete innocent lamb. Yeah. So uh, their character challenges are implied, but then also demonstrated based on what they are and then what they do. Yeah. The, the Manning brothers are criminals who want to get into politics, or at least one of them does. So there you go. And I think you sort of know that even from the trailer, that one shot that you see of them uh, in a graveyard mm-hmm. uh, waving, yeah. uh, the Daniel Kaluuya character waving. That's that's really all you need to know about yeah. those two characters. And uh, the husbands were criminals. So whatever else, they, they had uh, clearly uh, some challenges with the acquisition of wealth through legal means. Uh, they did other things. Uh, they all were perhaps not exemplary partners well, and, and, well, and Lucas Haas, providers. Said, you get Lucas Haas as this yeah. architect who comes into it. Yeah. You get, there's... Um, but Jackie Weaver's character is also terrible and she's a woman. I think most of the people... I don't... I think it's more who's a truly good person in this movie? There are very few, but I mean, the thing that I like is that yeah. down the line, like every single man, even just the... Um, there's a there's a an architect's husband who uh, Linda goes to call on at one point. Yeah. She's, she's been given she's been given blueprints and she's trying to figure out what they're for. And she uses uh, some some really good deception to to follow the breadcrumbs and leads to this architect's house. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's a, a, now a dead architect and her widower answers the door. And that interaction, yeah, that gets mm. that is bad really quickly. And it's like I. I blame him of, of how bad it gets and I'm like what are you what are you doing what are you doing I, I, I get that grief is weird and grief is messy and grief leads you to make some very strange decisions but dude what are you doing that's you know in that moment like he he had the high ground for a second there when he's like if you're here and you're asking about my wife my wife is dead yeah and you're just like oh bloody hell or, yeah you know something else and then yeah yeah, yeah and then like, but, but gets... come on in yeah. Every guy in this movie is shit. Every guy. But uh, I, I think all the people except in this Bash. movie, all the people in this movie, except for Bash and Olivia, the dog, I'd say all the people in this movie are fundamentally flawed. They're, they're all. They're flawed, but they're not shit. They're we're, almost we're talking all, about levels of flaw. Yeah. Here. Yeah. But they're mostly liars and criminals to yeah. a person, top yeah. to bottom. But but as I said, I, I, I like yeah. it. There is no redemption. Yeah, no. For, like, I can, no. I can think of redemption for Veronica and Linda and Alice. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can, I can, I can understand. Yeah. Um, n- none of the boys can no. I think. No, Yeah, that's why you did that. No. You did that because you're an asshole. Yeah. Because you're a dude. Yeah. But, it, but you're right. It's not man bashing. Like, it's not. <sighs> they, they get more character development than most fridged girlfriends yeah. or wives do yeah it did but it's not as i said it's you got like you, but you it's, just it's the kind of thing like once you just start thinking about yeah. it it's there and right? that's the thing which that's, is what I, that's why i like it that's why it's great to have a diverse mix of people on your podcast ah. because i didn't think about the men because honestly listener i didn't care about them the <laughs> well, ladies actually, are so okay. great i didn't no. think how are men portrayed in this I could give, give a shit. Yeah. zero Olivia dumps <laughs> about how the men are portrayed. I mean, um, in yes, I love Liam Neeson. Everybody loves Liam Neeson. He's great. Uh, but 
he's not the point. The yeah. point is what happens and what choices are made after he's fridged. Yeah. Uh, and the things that she finds out about his life before the fridging that help her continue on this journey. So she's given a series of breadcrumbs mm -hmm. based on information that he left uh, for her or that things that she figured out. And again, don't want to say anything more than that. But the kind of man he was informed the kind of decision she ended up having to make. Like, would criminals have come to her and said, you have to give us our money back mm -hmm. if he hadn't done what he did to other criminals? He yeah. could have just... He could have been a, he could have been a respected criminal. Yeah. Or he could have been like somebody who yeah. hit targets that would get away clean. He yeah. did this. Yeah. 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 I get it. Um, now, okay. Funny you should mention, that's why I get people on my podcast, because I actually, this is a question I will show you if you don't believe me. But there has been a conversation about... Criticism in general, mm -hmm. um, and specifically criticism when it comes to a story like this, that to get really into the nuts and bolts, the better way about it is to open up the floor and get some different voices, different critical voices into the conversation. What did I miss? You are a film critic, you are a female film critic, you're a film critic of color. There are details in this movie, there are approaches in this movie that I'm sure I did not catch and that you saw and that I would not have thought to bring up. What did I, that, that, Mike, that's, you know, to, to, to steal the Hamilton line, what did I miss? I think the, the central point, and again, this is, uh, we're, we're trying to avoid any kind of second, third act spoilers. There is a schism in their relationship because of something that happens. And I think, you're talking about I between, know, between, uh, between Veronica, Veronica and, and Harry, okay. like, and this incident that happened in their lives, it's one of those things where sometimes things happen to a couple that they can never get over, even if they do still love each other. So, mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning of the movie, she loved him the morning of the robbery. Right. Whatever else had been going on. Yeah. However, this thing that had happened to them, she will never understand his guilt and he will never understand her rage. There's a throwaway line about the, uh, I think, corrupt police captain that doesn't mean as much until the second time you've watched this movie. Uh, there's a couple other moments. There's a moment when she's getting threatened by the uh, Manning brother, and she actually threatens to call the police, which uh, for a person of color to go to the police it's problematic. So there's so many moments where you're like, oh my God, after you find right. out this thing that you understand why they both um, couldn't get over this thing, not just because it was horrible and so many couples couldn't regardless, but because of the differences in who they were mm -hmm. and their background. Mm -hmm. And I think that especially is one of the years where, you know, Harry's fridging, you don't get that kind of post-fridging um, explanation for why uh, the relationship was the way it was for most films. It's just like girlfriend's dead, you know, guy goes on yeah. kind of revenge spree yeah. or guy gets killed, guy goes on revenge spree, like dog gets killed, <laughs> like yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't find out often that much of the why and the complexity and mm -hmm. the other things. But that moment and definitely watching that with you know a, an audience that's mixed and i'd be interested to watch the the moment where you find this thing out that happened to them 
to their family uh, with an audience that's all white. Mm. But definitely in Toronto, you definitely get a very mixed reaction in the crowd. Yeah. Um, that's one of those scenes where, again, if this movie was made by anyone but Steve McQueen, that scene wouldn't have made it in. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the areas where... But then I think also the problem with having that there is that certain reviewers then call it an issue movie or focus on like one of the movements that came out of things like that happening. And I'm not even going to say because that's not what it's about. This is just information about their lives and and seeing a couple of reviews that called it a, you know, hashtag whatever movie. It's like you're missing the entire point by focusing on the thing that makes you the most uncomfortable it's the sick reality that we live in a world where this this kind of thing just happens yeah we've we've gone back and forth and back and forth on this where it was like it was just a normal day and then oh my god it was terrible and now it's just a normal day again and depending on where you are and this is a movie set in modern day chicago it's just tuesday it's terrible it's it's on every level it's terrible and and it's and it's deeply affecting on on just on, on on a surface level but certainly if it is your life this is this would shred you but at the same time it's still just tuesday um no that that's that's a really yeah. good point um, so i think it's not even that you would miss it it's more that uh, i've seen reviewers focus on that way too much because yeah. if anything you didn't need that scene it makes you understand the Liam Neeson character more. At least you understand what happened in their marriage more. Mm-hmm. But you don't need that scene no. for this movie to be amazing. Yeah, yeah that's, so, that's a really good point. But then calling it an issue movie because of that scene is reductive and lazy. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, the thing that I like about this movie is um, to, to, to crib a line from one of the year's most amazing songs, this is America. Um, this is a country where somebody who looks like Elizabeth Debicki can do what she wants to do, and, and up to and, a certain and, age, up, up to a certain, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then she becomes her mother. Um, <laughs> what is she wearing? It's a condom. Yeah. Um, or we get politicians like Jack Mulligan, the Colin Farrell character, getting mm-hmm. up in front of microphones and parading women of color behind him as success stories for his own ends and his own gains and then going back to his side of the line where where things are much more cellophane wrapped yeah you know and and gated and behind guards and guns this is this is a movie where you can get three glocks without a problem this is you know this is that that's what i like about this movie is that you've got a british man telling a story about the state of america today with that moment that you talked about as just one small piece that's that's the crazy thing about it like when, when you're bringing that up and when you're saying it that way, it's one small piece of what is America right now. America has so many messy, messy, ugly things that are all over this movie, both good and bad. You know, um, nefarious people in bed with the church, high-minded people who are still nefarious in bed with the church. All of it, it's just all packed in this to, to the point where Alice can ask Veronica, how am I supposed to get three guns? And she just says, this it is, is America. America. Yeah, that line got a big laugh. Again, watching that in Canada, uh, obviously we have a weird kind of smugness, even though 
we have our own challenges right now. Yeah. But yeah, that line got a huge laugh. That and the hot dog eating yeah. uh, with Tabiki. Well, because I like mean, that, she's coming away. It's yeah. kind of funny. Like she's there were a away. couple there's, of there's like red white balloons yeah. behind her. There were a couple of hoots and cheers yeah. in my theater. Um, All women, of course. Of course. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, this. Um, no, this is an incredible film. This this film is far better than it really has reason to be. This could just be, you know, four women go out there and rob a rob a politician. Yeah. You know, and probably still make its 50 or 60 million dollars. The 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 acting in this, the storytelling in this, the technique in this This may movie, be my favorite movie of 2018. And and rightfully so. I mean, it's kind of funny. We were talking the And other this day was th- a great year for film when the world is trash, art tends to elevate. Yeah. And this it's that's saying a lot but this is definitely if it's not my favorite it's top three for sure yeah and 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 rightfully so i mean we were talking the other day at the bar about um the best picture possibilities of this film and first of all in a year where things are so wide open still and it's already november um there's no real front runners yet and there's a lot of period stuff coming out so the nominations for these ladies you got your mary queen of scots you got your favorite you got all the other stuff that's already happened like it's going to be a crowded field. Well, that was the thing I said. Is I was like, in terms of best picture, now that we're in an expanded field of seven, eight, nine films, whatever it happens to be from year to year, uh, absolutely, I see this film making the cut because you've got that many more spaces and they're playing, they're having fun with it. In an age where you've got best picture nominee The Martian, best picture nominee Mad Max Fury Road, absolutely, I can foresee best picture nominee Widows because it's far better. Then it had to be it, when it was five. It would have been a, a, more of a push. Um, again, talking about like Oscar chances, it is really cool that we're talking not only about a director of color potentially being nominated for best not best director, but more than one. You know, of there being not one person yeah. to rally around because holy crap! That's the several. weird thing is this year Spike Lee's left out. It might be because there's two other people of color in either best picture or best director yeah. and not, not, not even just one. Yeah. 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 It's no, this movie's amazing. Um, we could be here talking about it for a long time. Just go see it. If Please you, do. if you aren't uh, yeah, seeing it yeah. this week, you're doing your this life is, wrong. Yeah. It, we're, you know, we're, we're well into November. This is handily the best movie of the month. Yeah. Um, to go see, um, I would say just go, go see it. And every review here on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Patula that Neil. dog, man. <laughs> What's the dog's name? Olivia. It is Olivia. Her oh, real shit. name is Olivia as well. Yeah. I'm actually okay. I gotta be. I'm, I thought we would be fighting over the same souvenir, and we're not. No. I want that flask. Oh, I like. But see, you're, I, you're a flask woman. I you, have. You, know, you, you like as you said, like rum soaked great gazoo. Yeah, I have my my uh, flask that I got for the festival this year. The one where. It's got the little embedded shot glass within yeah. the front. So, yeah. so you're good yeah. for flasks. I'm that's good what for it flasks. Is. Okay. Yeah. I, I like this. But flask. that was a beautiful yeah, flask. It is. The, yeah. the flask comes back yeah. um, in an amazing way. It's a, it's a great little shorthand. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's a great flask. Um, I, I, even just the way she, like, she's like proudly holding up the shot. You mm-hmm. think he's going to take it and then she drinks it herself. Yeah. Like, again, this is what you need to know about this woman. Holy crap, this movie's amazing. Um, we rate here on the Matinee Cast on a scale of one to four stars. I Four. Uh, four, yeah, four, four. Four. Uh, Hard I, I, four. I give it a four as well. This is yeah. an amazing movie. It is Costume, good. good. Music, good. Cast, amazing. Shot Writing, well. amazing. Cut, well. Like, we yeah. even talked, like, the editing in this movie yeah. is uh, is off the hook. The, the Some of the times that something gentle is happening and it just goes nuts real quick. Oh, this movie's so good. Um, hey, listen, maybe you're one of the people who thought... 
not enough Alice. Maybe you're one of the people who thought not enough Gillian Flynn. There's or, something for everyone. Or, or, or maybe, listen, maybe you're just, you, you've got your own issues with this movie and that's your journey, but we would like to hear from you, so let us know. Ryan up matinee.ca. Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA. Petula will screen cap you and talk to me about it. Yeah. Um, let us know. What do you think of Stephen Queen's Widows? We'll be right back after this. We're going to flip the record over and play the other side. Come on back, people. We're back. She's Patilla Neal. I'm Ryan McNeil. <laughs> uh, it's Matt Cast 210. I've never said it to the two together for some reason. Yeah. Um, it's Matt Cast 210. We've been talking about widows uh, and, and, our, and our deep effusion for that movie. Um, but we're going to, of course, turn the record over and go into some further content. Patula is going to riff it. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, she did a lot of homework for the first part. But then, you know, on the, on the, on the uh, essay question, she's, she's kind of... A little bit spent, uh, but for me, I'm going to begin um, and take a, a different turn than we normally do. I normally let the guests start, but um, I think one of the one of the key pairings for this movie uh, has got to be from 1995, Michael Mann movie Heat. Um, De Niro, uh, Al Pacino, kind of in peak Pacino mode. You've seen that movie, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, another heist movie that is. Long. I think it's the first time I did have to actually pee in a movie because I'm usually good at holding it for a really long time, yeah, but yeah. that is way long. Yeah, that I believe it's three hours. Mm. Um, I remember back in the days of Letterboxd VHS, it was two tapes. Be- it's so long because it spends so much time teaching you about everyone. Uh, if, if Widows has a failing, it's that it doesn't take the time to teach us about everybody. It... it teaches us about enough people. And I wager that given his druthers, McQueen would have given us more time with Michelle Rodriguez and more time with the Manning boys. We get enough. But this this is a movie that, you know, if 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 Heat were widows, we would have had a scene where we like went and met Bash's mom. Yeah. You know, it's, or it's, even just like, I'm sure there must have been a scene with Bash driving Harry around. Probably, but it's, it's was, gone. Yeah. But, you know, it's that kind of thing. So in Heat, along with, you know, you get a lot of development with Robert De Niro and you get a lot of development with Al Pacino. But then... You get everybody in every you curve. Get, I mean, like... Every the, cop, everybody in The last in man into this whole fray is Dennis Haysbert. Yeah. As, as this driver who they bring in like on the fly in like not even the third act is, in like the, the is he the guy act. they pull out of the kitchen yeah that's him yeah but you learn about him you yeah. learn you meet his wife and what he's trying to do and he's a cook and he's trying to make it as a cook and at first they bring him in just to wash dishes and then by the time you see him again he's running the kitchen a move like a bank robber movie doesn't take that kind of time to yeah. introduce it and that's what makes widows special that's what makes heat special they both have amazing... They took a lot of time with all the men, though. What happened? Like, the women... Was Ashley Judd in that? I barely remember Ashley the women Judd that was, were in there. Ashley Judd was in that. We don't learn so much about um, Al Pacino's partner. We, yeah. don't learn, we don't get her... We With that, we kind of focus more on Natalie Portman as the daughter. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Ashley Judd is Val Kilmer's wife, and we take a lot of time with her, learning that she's not happy with Kilmer, and she's hitting it with Hank Azaria. Like... 
Uh, I was going to say, way to, le- way to level up Hank Azaria. <laughs> um, and, and that's like peak Judd, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but every day with Judd is peak Judd, yeah. really. Um, yeah, but the, the same sort of thing. Like, the, the women in that movie, there's not as many of them, for mm-hmm. starters. Um, and we don't spend as much time with them. As, as much as I love learning about Haysburg, it would have been cool to learn about Al Pacino's partner, because that can't be an easy situation. Yeah. Um, that movie is amazing. It, I believe it has aged incredibly well. Similar to this, it's handsome as can be. Um, another um, just epic crime story uh, that, that talks about people. Did you did you hatch up any as you were? Yeah. Oh, what do you got? So this is one that I, I often recommend. Uh, one of my hot takes once was I don't see a need for The Departed because we already had Infernal Affairs. Ooh. Infernal Affairs Ooh. is my suggestion because okay. you have twists you have beautiful shots Mm -hmm. beautiful actors you get a lot of backstory for them because you kind of had to figure out how these two people got to this place and you know there's violence and guns and stuff but just that's those are just not even the instruments those are just the the accents that they use the real storytelling is about the backstory of these sort of two main characters and how they ended up um, acting at times in opposition, at times in concert with each other. Uh, but the, then Hollywood made The Departed, which is in some areas a shot for shot, a remake yeah. of this Asian film. And but line for line. I would argue just if you can deal with subtitles or if that's your uh, mother tongue or one of the languages you've learned, just go watch Infernal Affairs. They, there were a couple of sequels as well, but the first one, as is often the case, is the best. Were there moments where you were thinking about Infernal Affairs during Widows? Or in hindsight? I think about Infernal Affairs quite a bit. <laughs> if, if you're zoning out on <laughs> Infernal yeah. Affairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I sort of, I did the headcock and the... Right. There's, uh, there's moments when you see characters lying to each other convincingly uh, that often when I see it done well in a movie, it, it often evokes infernal affairs to me because mm-hmm. basically people are just lying to each other for that whole, from the second act on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but they do it well. They do it in ways that have a little bit of truth. They do it in ways where you start to wonder, has this character completely flipped on what their initial objective was? So uh, that kind of uh, learning how to persuade uh, you see the widows learning how to do that in sort of the second act when they have their kind of assignments and their activities. And they're doing things that they wouldn't normally do, but they they have to do it to achieve their objectives. They all have something to do that they wouldn't normally do that's either unpleasant or difficult, and they figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And they aren't acting in character for what they would have done before. A lot of Michelle Rodriguez's character. Yeah, her character, but even... Uh, Viola Davis's last task, which was pretty key to uh, their objective. Yeah, yeah. You, you see how troubled she is in that moment, but when she's talking to the individual, she's resolute. Yeah. 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 No, it's, but it's, he can't see her face when she's walking away from the car. No. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it, I, I'm way overdue for a return to Infernal Affairs, so that's thank you for that. Um, the other one that I thought of as another side for this movie, um, in terms of, uh, it's another story that's got a lot of uh, moving parts. 
uh, and one of the parts specifically made me think of this. It, uh, 2000 was this movie, Traffic, Steve Soderbergh movie with um, Michael Douglas and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Benicio Del Toro got an Oscar for this movie. Um, that's another cast that goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Um, Benjamin Bratt is in that movie. He is a really crazy drug lord. Um, I can't remember everybody else in it off the top of my head. Topher Grace is in that movie. Um, and there's a, an entire subplot where a drug kingpin in San Diego gets arrested by the FBI and it leaves his life behind that's he's married to Catherine Zeta-Jones she's like eight months pregnant for most of the movie um and she's got to make ends meet right uh she she has been up until that point a stay-at-home mom you know that like, kind of just not exactly a trophy wife. She's running the house and she's taking care of the kids and she's shuttling them around to golf lessons and having lunch with her girlfriends. And then the whole world gets turned upside down. And it's like, okay, now you're running the show. And just like in Widows, it's like, yeah, I can run the show. You know, you think this is hard? It's not really that. It's 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 not that hard. I'm already doing other shit yeah. that you just can't see. Yeah, she's already doing the hard part. Yeah, yeah. Keeping humans alive and uh, making new ones. I was gonna say yeah, like, yeah. Like she's she's walking yeah. around with a new one inside of her. And it's yeah. like oh okay yeah. yeah sure just give it to me. Yeah. Um, watching her in that movie get drawn into this drug world where he, as I said, he's a distributor of of cocaine, and coming up with a new plan. Uh, she has to like have face to faces with some really dangerous people. She has to put herself into some risk, really risky circumstances, and she never flinches. Like there are times where you can tell that she's really worried about what could befall her, and certainly more what she's. She always seems to get more worried about what could befall her children. Um, that was one thing where widows didn't quite go to that extent, right? Like we, we've. We've got one moment that's obviously self-contained. We worry about the dog a lot more than yeah, Michelle Rodriguez's kids. kids. Yeah. But we don't worry about what's going on with her kids. Except, yeah. well, I mean, I would really worry when the nanny then gets hauled into the job. Right? Yeah. I'm like, you had somebody good taking care of them, and now, okay. Yeah. Um, do you remember Traffic? Did you watch it? Did I didn't. Watch, no? And it's one of those ones. Didn't it end up being kind of a controversial Oscar it, um, it got situation. It got best director, but yeah. not best picture. Yeah. Uh, back when that was more of a thing, like now it's every other year that seems to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also strange because that was a year where Steven Soderbergh was nominated against himself. Right. He was up for best director for Traffic and best director for Aaron Brockovich. This, right. Oh, th- that was yeah. another. Yeah. yeah. This is America where, mm. you know, where women and people of color cannot get nominated for best director. Yeah. But one white boy could get nominated <laughs> twice and uh, play against himself. Oh this is God. America. Wow. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible movie. Tough hang. Yeah. That, uh, I think I, it's been a long time since I watched it, but I do believe it still holds up. And it's weird because I love Haywire. So it's not that I don't like Soderbergh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and the, I'll see his less well, popular it's, movies. It's kind of it's around the time where he was really finding his groove. Like yeah. he broke in with like Sex Lies and Videotape, and he kind of wandered in the weeds for four or five years. And then around the time you get to Out of Sight in '98 and The Limey in '99, and by the time he gets like Brockovich and Traffic, he has become who we now associate mm. as you know the dude who did The Nick and the dude who did Contagion and Haywire and Magic mm. Mike. You know, th- this is around the time where he's really figuring out who he is. It's it's actually kind of got me wondering about McQueen. Is that is this now who McQueen is going to be in terms of making 
big movies like this or is his next movie going to be back to arty unpleasant films about ugly people did you come up with another one so actually a couple comedies okay um based on widows hit me well they focus on sort of the collaboration of women Mm. uh one would be first wives club oh which uh, allegedly i think they're going to do a remake of i heard yeah which you know Mm. who knows all right but again, that's one of those movies at the time. Oh my God, I can't believe this made money. It's like, because it was funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of yucks. And then yeah. uh, a classic, Bring It On. <laughs> okay, we don't talk. Okay, first of all, we don't talk about either one of those movies on this show ever in not 210 episodes. Yeah, Bring so, It On original, Bring It On, I think, directed by Peyton Reed, who was your number two director on Ant Man. Right. Uh, wow. It is a banger. Like, there's a reason there's so many, you know, trash sequels and follow-ups. Because that first one was not perfect, but pretty darn close. And the men in the movie, yes, there's, you know, a couple of boyfriends. But there's such an afterthought. Uh, Most of this is about women, how they uh, collaborate, how they don't collaborate, how they work against each other, how they work with each other how they solve problems. Is it legit? Uh, no, like it, it's, 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 okay, it's a good say, movie. No, but I mean, it, okay. So I, I wouldn't presume, I, I don't presume to know how women work together when I am not in the room. I do know that you work together differently than when a man is not, man is not around. I know that one for sure. I've seen it in film and I've seen it like whatever, but I'm not in the room. So I have no idea. But what I mean is watching what's happening in a fluffy little cheerleader movie. Are, is it, dialed up is it dialed down is it that's what i'm saying when i say is it legit is it echoes of how the normal dynamic definitely goes? because there's you know or the, is it more than just echoes there's Sorry. manipulation in ways that i don't think would happen as often with a group of men uh in that you have characters who have a competing objective and they understand they are not the ones with perhaps the power but they know how to manipulate the person with mm. the power so you're kind of mean girls um, led by an actress. I forget her last name. Her name, I think, is Claire. She played the big bad on one of the seasons of Buffy okay. as Glory. Uh, she's one of the sort of mean girl cheerleaders who, uh, along with her other uh, partner, uh, Whitney, they try to manipulate the Claire Danes sort of goody two-shoes captain to make some pretty... Uh, problematic choices as right. they go through the film right okay. and then on the other side the clovers led by uh the Union? yes ice playing isis what a what a great character name uh the way she and her team collaborate as well is you do right. you really do uh although i mean it's gabriel union in a cheerleader's uniform and it, but it's not my you <laughs> it's a cheerleader movie I, from i feel several like, years ago i feel like gabriel union in a cheerleader's I'm uniform is enough, everyone's million listen i'm gonna have a hard enough time you know <laughs> what'd you do last night right i watched all the boys i love before if i say i watch all the boys i love before and, and bring, bring it on, on yeah i i you know yeah Rumors are going to start circulating, you know. I'm, I don't think that. I'm, would I'm be... a modern man, and I'm secure in things. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I think the rumors would just be that you might be a bit of a kind of perv. Something. Maybe? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. Was say, like, there's all kinds of rumors. Yeah. You know. But anyway, yeah. please go on. Bring it on. Yeah. But Get yeah, really they union. they really you see how these different groups of women collaborate based on you know their their circumstances, their objectives. Uh, the the Missy character played by. 
we know her as Faith. For, yes, Eliza Dushku. I know uh, way she, too much about this movie. Yeah, she definitely <laughs> brings in an energy that the Torrance uh, character played by. Uh, why? I think I called her Claire Danes earlier, but it's not that. It's, what's her name from? I know it, but now I don't want to admit it. Yeah. <laughs> you do know this. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. Played by Kirsten Dunst. I hate this episode. So what she does with Torrance is kind of helps her realize there's another way to achieve what you want and your objective your your end goal that you previously had that shouldn't necessarily be what you focus on uh, how you got there what you did to get there um, should be what your focus is that's certainly yeah it's certainly all over widows it is yeah, yeah yeah it is it's great. It's a great movie. I would pay like handsomely to watch you introduce this double feature. You have no <laughs> idea. Seriously, I want you on yeah, stage yeah. in like Lightbox Two, yeah. saying, "Okay, so I know everybody thinks that we're here for strange reasons, but please, yeah, come with me, children, for a moment, and let me tell you why we're all here." But again, in both of these films, um, the things that men do, maybe more in First Wife Club, are the catalyst for these women deciding to work together. But they are an afterthought with regards to, you know, screen time, character development and other things. And it's really uh, the point of the movie is how these women work together to achieve what they want to achieve. No, very cool. Very cool. And uh, I I think actually that's a great note to go out on. And I might actually rewatch Bring It On. Um, I'm expecting a thank you text yeah, at some point prob- in the next 48 hours. Yes, exactly. yeah. I, I need to thank you for many things. So These just, just add it to the list. These are spirit fingers. Oh, dear God. I remember that. This is not... No, no. Why? Why do I know this stuff? My God. I'm going to believe Lindsay. She watches it too much. That's what it is. All right. Yeah. 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 Sure. That's what I'm going with, people. I believe you. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's good to be believed. That's episode 210 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back Monday, December 3rd. For episode 211, I think we're talking about if Beale Street could talk. Uh, I'm not sure if that's out quite yet, uh, but uh, it's in flux. So just watch Twitter and whatnot for uh, updates. Uh, I want to thank Petula Neal for coming by. Um, where can people find the podcast and where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter is Obesa Kantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T. And the podcast is at Inatif. And you can just search for in space a uh, space tiff on your Google Play, iTunes, and all, all Stitcher. Yeah, I'm not on Spotify yet, but it's because I want some new art before I oh, okay. finish my submission. Nice, so, nice. They, they went and made it easier on us. Now, yeah. So, so take your time. Yeah, I haven't recorded in a while, but I did do about 20 minutes just on the widow's trailer in the summer like in june uh so that one i think i re-upped and then uh as well after the festival i did do another probably 20 minutes on widows again there's there's a i mean you know we're we're going into they're going to be doing spielberg stuff Mm -hmm. at christmas time they're going to be doing a 1999 series next year uh, with you know like 20 years out from 99 like how amazing a year that was for film so I know they're showing stuff like All About My Mother and Fight Club and Being John Malkovich mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm gonna be all over that stuff so um, yeah definitely uh, listen up for In a Tiff um, and uh, follow uh, follow Petula on Twitter my site is matinee.ca for more audio content you can find back episodes by going to matinee.ca slash podcasting you can find my show on Spotify. You can also find it on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes Store. Also, Pocket Cast. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. If you are using some other kind of podcatcher that I don't know about and you want to listen to the show, let me know about it and I will find a way to get my show on there. 
Um, feedback on Widows can be left in the comment section of the site. Email to ryan at the matinee.ca. Twitter, where I am matinee underscore CA, or facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts? It's cold in here. There might be some crows oh, in the atmosphere. damn it! For Petula, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee. <laughs> I hate you.